Welcome to another episode of Forgot My Transmitter. Well, folks, you're in for a treat today. I was able to get Jeremy Long from Vivax MetroTech Canada, and he shared quite a bit of extra, extra things that you don't normally think about and how to use specifically the Vivax MetroTech locate equipment. But uh, there's just some other uh, good techniques, especially in locating deep utilities and a few stories. Should also mention that uh, unfortunately my microphone cut out halfway through, so I had to dub over my questions. So it might sound a little choppy, but anyways, it's not about what I have to say; it's about what Jeremy has to say. So hopefully, it doesn't sound too awkward. So thanks for your patience and enjoy the show. Thanks, Jeremy, for coming on the show. Tell us a little about yourself, Jeremy. How did you get started in the locate industry? It was an interesting thing, actually. I used to be an auto mechanic, and then I was a marine mechanic. And when things sort of went a little bit south in 2007, I decided it was uh, time to find a more stable job. Yeah. Uh, And I I figured, what's more stable than municipal equipment? Right. Uh, So I started working at uh, a dealer that sold uh, utility locators and a bunch of other stuff. I actually started in the parts department just to get my feet in the door and then got into sales there and uh, selling locators basically and uh, then got hired on at uh, Vivax Metrotech to work directly for the manufacturer. Okay, so you were just working at a, a dealer. How often did you get out in the field? I was out almost every day so I started actually selling the utility locators in about 2010. So 2010 and 11 I was out, you know, doing demos and getting my feet wet selling the stuff. Yeah. And spending a lot of time with Dave Wolf, who most people know. That's right. Yeah. Everybody in Ontario, well, any yeah. big, big firm will know David Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. So spent a lot of time with him, traveling around, doing demos and just learning how locates work. So spent a lot of time. And then when I got hired on in 2012 at Vivax Metrotech, I mean, obviously it's gung-ho, you know, locators and inspection cameras all day, every day. Yeah. What do you remember learning from David Wolf? Like, what was the biggest aha moment, or was there anything like that? Do you remember any any big problem locate that you had to go help him with, or that type of thing? Yeah, it was quite often. I mean, mo- most of the time when we went out and did a lot of our stuff working directly for Vivax Metrotech, other than the, you know, the daily show people how they work and that kind of stuff and yeah. do some training. But a lot of our time gets spent troubleshooting and and just being out on the road. So obviously when I was new, I spent a lot of time with Dave on those calls because, you know, knowing in the future when I sort of took over, it was going to be necessary for me to do it. So honestly, the largest thing that we come across as an actual locate issue is, you know, people not grounding properly. Yeah. And one of the things that probably was the most influential thing that, you know, Dave tried to train people and get people on. And, you know, we've got the damaged prevention technician course here in Ontario. Yeah. And one of the things that he would call it is DPT radar, because we call it DPT for short. And he used to train the DPT radar. and, And basically what that means is just keep your eyes open. And when you get to a job, look around see what's around you. There's a, that, that was the one thing that always sticks in me that whenever I pull up to, 
doing a locate, whether it's just showing someone how a locator works or pulling up, you know, trying to help someone troubleshoot, I'm looking, okay, what's out, what's above me, right? What can I see? What's aerial? What transformers can I see? Pedestals, things like that. Where's my communications? What, what can I see that are initial markers that are either going to be problems with whatever I'm locating or it's going to be where I need to hook up? Yeah. So that's, that's one of the biggest things that I find in the industry that, that some, that some people overlook, you know? Yeah. They're just too focused on, Oh, I got to hook up and just go with this thing when you might be missing something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I was fortunate to take the training last year with Dave Wolf. So yeah, yeah, it was really good. He had lots of stories. Hopefully I'll get him on the show here sometime soon. Yeah. He'd love it. Yeah. So give us a little information about what equipment do you offer and like the whole, just a quick brief description of everything that you offer. And then we'll, we'll go into more of the locate equipment, a little more in depth. Sure. So VVAX Metrotech has been around. It was basically the VVAX Metrotech part of it was formed in 2006. Metrotech has been around for a very long time. A lot of people recognize that name from from way back and the VVAC side of the company basically came a, a bunch of other people left a, a locate company and basically was okay what do we do now so they started their own you know locate manufacturer so VVAC Metrotech paired up so basically what we try to do is bring you know new technology to the market try to be new try to innovate and so we you know manufacture utility locators a wide range from your basic you know, contractor, if you will, set something that a landscaper might use, you know, all the way up to survey grade type equipment for, you know, even doing mapping and surveying. Right. Yeah. And so we also do inspection cameras. We used to call them sewer cameras, Yeah. but they're getting used for such a wide range of things now that we call them inspection cameras. So we've got some pretty good line of inspection cameras as well. Okay. Yeah, so we've got uh, a big history of locating in the company. Our engineers that we have, we actually have the most engineers out of any locate manufacturer. It's kind of crazy when I think about it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how many we have. And a large portion of them have been in the industry for a very, very long time. So they bring a lot of knowledge to the table to help us when we're designing a new piece of equipment and just, you know, things need to be changed. Yeah. No, that's good because there's a lot lot more that can be done in the locating industry and then inspections and, you know, using all the equipment, just making it go more digital so that, that the contractors, everybody can get the information a lot faster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's where, that's where we're at as a company. Basically, 2008, we came out with a new locator, the VLOC3 Pro, which, you know, basically changed sort of the way we look at locates. A traditional locator, our previous version, and the way that they've been done for many years, they, they would look at a slice we teach as a rings. There's basically rings that radiate off, which is your transmitter that creates the electromagnetic field, if you will. Yeah. And it, it the old locators would look at it as rings, what we were able to do is design a set of coils that makes it see it as a tube, as a cylinder that envelops what you're locating. And so what that does allows us to do is see a little bit more of the distortion, which is the biggest problem uh, that we have in locating is identifying distortion. When is it there? Why is it happening? 
Um, the why question is sometimes hard to answer, but we can answer when it's happening um, to help identify, hey, have we bled off onto another utility? So seeing that whole uh, field as a tube or a cylinder enveloping what you're locating allows us just to bring that warning back. We can do things like offset locating where you don't have to be standing right over top of a utility. And I've personally have found that quite helpful when locating next to, let's say, like a metallic building or a fence, a chain link fence. Yeah. With the with the coils in that chain link fence, it kind of disrupts the magnetic field and you're not able to see it. You walk out to the side and then it cleans it up and we can tell that with our, you know, we've got a color code to our screen, green, blue, red. And of course, we've also got, there's a confidence ring in that offset locate mode. I never thought of using the offset in that situation. I've only used it if there was a big ditch or something in my way. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's that was actually a customer that brought that up to me. He said, I wonder if by using this mode, if it'll do that. I mean, it was in the early days of us bringing that out. And I thought, well, let's give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> so we went out and tried it. And we were, you know, standing next to that that fence. It's red. Our confidence ring was quite large. And as we started to walk away from it walk off to the side all of a sudden oh now it went to blue now it went to green oh and that confidence ring is quite small went wow that's pretty neat so yeah i try to let as many people as i can know about that and to try it out as with anything with utility locating the the biggest issue is we don't know what we're finding right we're just trying to find electromagnetic field yeah Um, it, it can be quite hard for new folks when they're you know, you're trying to train them and, and trying to, you know, they're basically asking questions. So you mean I, I don't really know what I'm locating? And it's like, no, honestly, you, you don't. You're taking as much information in to guess or feel confident that I'm hooked up to this utility. I'm using, you know, 8.19. I'm sending out 25 milliamps. Okay, I'm seeing 20 milliamps. The depth seems to agree with what it should be, which... Depth is another issue that's widely overlooked and it should be used more. Yeah. But yeah, it's all those things that we can sort of get back to. It's it's just a level of confidence that we try to add to basically trying to find something that we have no idea whether it's there. No. And so that brings, brings me to my next question. Could you explain peak and null? Yeah. So the easiest way to do it is basically to think of, again, those rings is the easiest way to understand. It's basically rings coming off the utility. So your peak is going to be top dead center. So basically the the top peak rolling arc of the magnetic field. And so that's going to be top dead center. That's going to stick pretty, pretty close to where your utility actually is. When you have distortion, it can get pushed a little, but very minimal. Null, basically it finds, the locator says, okay, here's one outer side edge of that ring. Here's the other, let's say, you know, one's left-hand side, one's right-hand side of that ring. And it says, okay, if those are the outer edges, then I'm saying the zero point, the null, the center is here, is X. And your outer rings are what can get pushed and distorted quite badly. So it's it's basically a confirmation of what distortion or what's happening below us. So that's the difference of peak and null. Peak is your top dead center, right over top, should be the closest to the center of where your field is coming from. And then null is saying, here's your outer edges. Would you know if for all the extra features, like the offset, 
Is it using peak or null for those additional settings? <laughs> so it's it's kind of one of those things that I don't know. Being a mechanic, I guess I'm not that smart <laughs> to to understand all of it and to take it in. So when we use the settings, such as I guess the best way I can explain it, when we use the settings like offset or we've got a plan view mode, those type of things. It's actually using a combination, and, and our new antennas are using a combination of both, of peak and null, to determine where that is in those modes. Uh, our traditional locate screen is basically what's going to, to give us that peak and null, if you will, screens. And it's it, in our VLOC3, it's actually simplifying it back down to peak and null, but it's still seeing both. So in our offset modes, our plan view modes, we're using a combination of peak and null to determine where we feel. I, you know, I can't... It's it's hard for me in the locating world, and sometimes people don't like it because I have to use things like should be here, feels like it's here. I, I can't actually give you a 100% a, a answer because, again, unless we... You know, I say in my training classes, the best utility locator, there's two things. An excavator or a hydrovac, <laughs> right? Right, exactly. You you stick an excavator in the ground and you're, you know, in the area of utilities, you're going to find them and you're going to pull them up. <laughs> and a hydrovac obviously does that a lot safer. So basically what we can say is, you know, we think it's here. We feel that it's here. All things lead to me thinking that it's here. So basically it, it you know, in our offset modes, it gives us the feeling of, okay, it should be here. This is what we're looking at. And even in our peak null screens, it's sort of the same thing, but it's a combination of that in those screens. Yeah, and, and peak and null is something that I feel in your normal locating, it should always be on. Right. The traditional training was always, okay, you locate in peak and then confirm in null. And the, the reason why we did that is because previous versions of locators, you know, when these training manuals are written, they weren't able to display them both at the same time on screen. So that's why we said that, because we wanted locators to be putting paint down in peak because we know that's going to be the most accurate. But we, you know, we want to confirm and null to say, hey, is something going on with this field? Is it distorted? What does it look like? So that's the, I always stress, use peak and arrows or peak and null at the same time. Exactly. I found the hardest thing is just to not focus on the arrows. So when I first started, I forced myself just to use peak so that I would be always just looking at that gauge, looking at when it peaked, the little bar that would pop up there. So that when you swing it to one side, it hits that bar. You swing it to the other side, it hits the other bar. So you know that's it. The, the utility is right in the middle of that. So I just trained myself. And then from there, I turned the null back on as confirmation and to give me a little more information about what's going on. Yeah, exactly. And and the peak, one thing that, again, I train people in the classes and try to remind people, I'm sure pretty much all of us at some point in school, whether that was, you know, recent or farther in, you know, off in the distance, but we all probably at some point, a teacher gave us a set of magnets and put them down on a table and said, okay, push one magnet against the other and the opposite with the poles, right? And they pushed away from each other. And basically, you took a larger magnet against a smaller magnet and it pushed away from even farther. And you try to push the small magnet against the big one and you had to come much closer to it to push it away. Basically, that's our representation of null. So 
you think of any metallic object, again, it's electromagnetic field. Some people would think, well, it's magnetic. Does it get pulled to metal objects? No, it gets pushed away. Our field always gets pushed away. Same way that if you've got a, another field or your bladder ghosted onto something, that other electromagnetic field will push yours away. So yours, whatever you're connected to, whatever your transmitter is hooked to, should be the stronger magnetic field. So it will be less susceptible to being pushed to one side or the other. And if you're bled off onto something else, and this is where null becomes really good, if you are locating something, whether it's ours or any utility locator, if you're locating something and you notice, okay, my peak is right here, and I go to try and look at my arrows, and hey, my arrows are walking me, let's just say, really, really far to the right. Maybe they never even actually both come on screen, both null arrows come on screen. Basically, that can, that's an indication to me to say, hey, if it's pushing me to the right, then something to my left is making that happen. So what is it? Uh, so that's where, you know, take your receiver, walk to the left a little bit farther. Oh my goodness, all of a sudden, hey, maybe I've found what my transmitter is actually hooked to. Now I can follow this out. Oh, my peak and arrows now agree a lot better. I can put the receiver down on the ground. I can raise it up. The depth is confirmable. My milliamps is another something that people really overlook is looking at your current on screen. And the current, you know, you look at it and you go, oh, my current's much higher on this one than it is on another one. So that's that's where we can use null. That's where it's really useful to know what's going on. Yeah, for sure. Another question about depth. How does it get that calculation? Is it from the milliamps and the uh, clean null? How does that work? No, so depth is a, a calculation of a bunch of things put together on screen. And milliamps is just basically, it's just like an amp meter and it just sees the, the milliamps that are there. So whether it's five feet deep or 25 feet deep, the milliamps should never change. They should be the same as, you know, at either depth. And it'll relay that on screen. I could show you with a slide. Again, I, I'm not that whizzy. And you know what? I used to joke in some of my training classes for the newbies. I'd show that slide on the screen and say, okay, y'all need to take out your pen and paper and you need to write this down. And then the, you know, the, the supervisor would start laughing and chuckling because they know that you're never going to use it ever again. Uh, basically, it's just a calculation of your peak and your null. Um, and it, it does it all for you. Back in the day, what you used to have to do is lean the receiver on the side, walk so far off to one side or the other, measure it out, and oh, it was just a... Oh, I remember doing that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do that anymore, so it just does it on its own. Yeah. So how do you get an accurate depth? So you got to make sure that uh, the peak and null are agreeing. It oftentimes won't give you a depth if it is widely distorted. Again, I don't want to talk too much about our stuff when I'm talking about some of the stuff. I try to be pretty broad in general, but if you were you were using one of our VLOC3 receivers and that bar graph is red, you can pretty much know that you're not going to get a good depth. You can try to take it, but it's not going to work. Or same thing, if you look at your peak and null arrows and the two of them are both coming on screen and locking up, like I like to call it, on screen at the same time, your depth's not going to be good. So move to another situation. That brings me to a story, actually. One time we were checking out doing a locate and they were having a hard time getting depths in a certain spot. And an engineer was on site and they needed to know depths because they were going to be running a new 
utility through whatever. They were going to be doing a bunch of excavation work, so they wanted to make sure it was in a certain spot. So it was a water main, and uh, we, we got a good locate out of it. The locate was great, but within this, say, 20-foot stretch, we weren't able to confirm the depth. But it was six feet on one side. You walk past it to the other side, past the 20 feet. We said it was six feet on this side. And they said, well, we need to know what it is in the middle. And we said, well, okay, well, you're going to have to get a hydrovac because I just can't do it. What it was, there was some big power utility crossing over top. So we weren't able to get the, we weren't able to get the depth. And so this engineer was pretty adamant. Well, I need to know without, and it's like, well, sorry, I can't. But if it's six feet over there and it's six feet over here, chances are it's probably six feet in the middle. But yeah, that's, I mean, there's just certain situations where you can't get it. But like I said, if as a locator, I can say that to myself confidently. I mean, obviously 20 feet, there is a possibility that in that 20 feet, a water main is going to dip and do something, but this is a fairly large water main. So chances are it's, it stayed six feet pretty close the whole way through. Right. But the other thing I try to tell people now is ask questions and can you answer those questions? So why is this happening? Okay, I can't get depth here because it's distorted. Why was my bar graph red? Or why did my peak null not agree? Okay, well, you know, it's changing depth or it's changing direction or hmm, maybe I have another power utility going over top. Can I answer the question of why this is happening? And oftentimes you can pretty quickly, right? So you're able to locate through this stretch. You're six feet back there. You're six feet on the other side. Your current stays good, right? Like our current was... I don't know, 18 or 15 milliamps the whole way through. So we got good current. We got, you know, good depth on either side, but we can't get it here. So what's going on? We simply flipped the receiver into power mode, walked the other direction, did a sweep. We're like, oh, okay, well, we've got something power going on here. We look up. Well, there's all these transmission lines that are now feeding the building that's that we're basically in front of. So we're like, okay, well, there's there's the answer to the question, right? And we were able to answer that and sort of know that. So it's it's one thing that, you know, I try to, again, educate people on. Can you answer the question of why this is happening? You should be able to, and it should be pretty easy. Yeah, for sure. I have another question. You mentioned the grounding as a major issue for problem locates. Can you go into more detail about that? Yeah, definitely. It's... It's quite obvious for us when we go out and we're, you know, we're training people or see on site if they're doing things the correct way. There's there's quite simple things that obviously we come across. We make those leads quite long for a reason. The farther away you can get your ground and at 90 degree angles, the better. So that's the first thing. Often people have tangled up leads and, you know, they can only stretch them apart a couple of feet. And, you know, so that kind of limits you there because all you're asking your signal to do is travel down your conductor and go right back to your ground stake as close as it is. So getting your leads far away. The other thing that I've actually struggled with recently is in rural areas, you're trying to locate, you know, fiber optic cables and stuff. And, you know, you hook up to the trace wire on the fiber and you go to put your ground stake in the ground and you think, okay, this should be fairly decent ground. It's fairly wet. Not realizing that it's not very solid ground. It's like rotten leaves, if you will. You know, you kick, you push the ground stake in and you think, oh yeah, this should be good. But it's loose, very, very loose soil, loose ground. So I found that sometimes I've had to dig away and, and just really get a longer uh, ground stake. I know some companies are pretty good at supplying a longer ground stake. 
that often comes up with us. Why don't you supply a longer ground stake? Well, you know, as a manufacturer, we try to do what's going to be best for the utility locator, but also be feasible for people to carry around. So, you know, a longer one sometimes just doesn't fit in someone's kit bag. So that's that's often a good thing for grounding. And another one that comes up obviously is what if we're in a concrete jungle, right? What if we, we have no, where can we put the ground stake in? Obviously, if you can try and use your signal clamp, that'll work good. But if not, you can basically have a ground extension. So basically a, a spool of wire that can get you out past that concrete or past the driveway or past somewhere so that you can put your ground stake in a little bit farther out. Yeah, I remember Dave Wolf really preaching that at the training. To have, you know, the first thing you got to do is get a get a spool of wires, to some speaker wire. Just have it in your have it in your truck so that if you ever need to extend it, you're ready to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you have any other damage stories where you had to go out and and help to figure out what happened? Yeah, there's a a few that I've had over the years. Again, that which has led me to sort of change my training spiel and some of the things that I say. And one of those things is walk the locate. And, it, you know, a story to sort of illustrate that is I got a phone call from a telecommunications company and they were basically just walking me through over the phone sort of the scenario of what happened. It was a fiber optic cable. The technician hooked up. The first issue was is he used a signal clamp. Uh, clamps for fiber is somewhat of a no-no just because the way they're designed it doesn't work well. You should always be able to direct connect and if you can't then there's an issue and they need to fix it. But signal clamp is not really a good method of locating that. So that was the first no-no. And then the second thing that we sort of determined is once that technician had done that he basically walked down to where the locate area was, then turned his receiver on and started trying to find a locate field. And and so that's that's one of the common issues that I have seen over the years, sort of a trend. You got a couple different things of, you know, when damages happen or whatever, but it's pretty easy to know straight away, is my signal going the direction where I want to go? You don't want to hook your transmitter up, say, okay, my, you know, I'm hooked up to this house here, but my dig area is between the two houses. So I'm just going to walk to that area by the road and I'm just going to turn the receiver on and start doing my locate. No, you want to walk the whole locate if you can, or at least start where you've hooked up, turn your receiver on, check to make sure you've got, you know, a good signal. Walk out. If it's something like a, you know, let's say a gas trace wire or something that tees and splits, make sure that it tees and splits in that direction that you want to go. So, and that's what this situation was. We came back to, he, you know, this person just basically walked out to the area that was to be located because it was a little ways down, you know, a couple blocks down a main street, turned the receiver on, started doing a located, kind of went, yeah, I kind of got something here, painted some stuff out, and it ended up just being the power utility that he was painting out, so the fiber optic got hit. Yeah, and, and again, it would have gone back, had he have gone back and basically started the locate and walked and started from where he hooked up he would have seen oh i've got no signal coming out of this at all because i'm trying to use my signal clamp on this fiber optic cable and it's just not working right so basically all he did was just crank everything up and manufactured i call it a signal out on the power utility sprayed it out in orange and yeah there was an issue there have you ever had to go out and help the utility companies 
to find things? Yeah, we work quite often with with the gas utilities. They're one of our, actually probably one of the the utilities that used to call us out quite regularly. The one in, you know, one of them here in, in Ontario. And before they hired on their crews that were more dedicated to doing this, they used us quite a bit for assistance. Often, unfortunately, in very, very deep locates. There was one that we were doing that crossed a major road and it also there's a railway track right by what they were doing is they're basically going to drop this road down to go underneath a set of railroad tracks instead of being a level crossing because they're just having too many accidents there between the trains and cars so they were going to just going to make a bridge basically and, and the train was going to go across the bridge and the road was going to drop down so they had to lower all the utilities so the water gas wasn't an issue because it was so deep but they had to lower the water and the power and everything else so as with most locates and being in the industry, you know that the gas needs to be exposed and they need to identify it. So we figured out, we show up on site, you know, we got called, Dave and I both went out to this one the first time. I went out a second time to do it again, but we showed up and I said, oh yeah, they can't really locate this, this gas main. So we hook up. And actually, interesting story about grounding. It was in a parking lot where we weren't able to get a really good ground. The parking lot was gravel, but again, we weren't able to push the ground stake in well. So we took our ground spool and just on the other side of the parking lot was a a ditch that was just filled with water. So Dave's like, here, we'll just do this. And he literally just took the ground stake, threw it down in the ditch and in the water, right? (laughs) Chucked it down in the water. And I'm like, this is going to work. He's like, oh yeah, watch. So we go back over the transmitter, we hook up to the test point on the gas, and yeah, it was brilliant. We had, you know, 150 milliamps, no problem, and we sweep across, start doing our locate, and we're like, oh, wow, this is... So it started out where we were at this test point, it was about 20 feet deep, and when we got to the other side of the road, it ended up being around 70 feet deep. Wow. And yeah, it was it was probably the deepest thing I've ever located. The field was quite wide. So your peak signal, you talk about peak, that peak signal, because you think about that ring just getting larger and larger and larger, it was about a foot across where the bar graph actually didn't move on the receiver. So we had to look at the numbers. I mean, most of us don't look at those numbers, which you don't have to. And I train that way. There's no reason to. You look at the bar graph. But in this situation, you needed to look at those numbers to see where they came out highest on the screen. And so I was just watching as it went from, you know, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63. And then, okay, now it's going back down. Oh, 62, 61. And then I'm like, okay, well, that's there's where our peak is. But if you looked at the bar graph, it didn't even really move. Interesting. Yeah, and so as we walked across the street, we saw this big, massive pit that was huge, probably about 30 feet wide. They had opened up this hole doing their hydrovac. They were way down deep, and it ended up, they were like literally feet away. We trained one of the hydrovac guys how to use a locator quickly, said jump down in the hole, so he got down in there and located it, and he was like three feet off to the one side, and they had about, you know, six more feet to go. So that was, that was pretty crazy. That was the deepest, craziest sort of locate I've ever been on that way. I have another question that nobody can seem to give me a solid answer on. What direction do you walk to get the best signal? Is it towards the transmitter or away from it? It's, yeah, it's interesting. That came up quite often and I've seen it sometimes where, I will admit it, where you walk back the one direction and it's off slightly. So guys will... 
often what I see doing, and I guess it just becomes an industry practice that they, you know, you dot on the way out and dash on the way back. And I really, I think that comes more from, you know, you only put the dot down because if you were wrong on the way out and you sort of look back at your way and you're like, oh, why is that dot off to the left a little bit more than the rest of them? Okay, whoops. Really, I think that's the only reasoning. There shouldn't, there shouldn't be a big discrepancy towards going out and coming back it's basically going to be pretty darn close to where it was in the first place. Sometimes I just, yeah, it can just be a, a matter of distortion a little bit and that's pushing your field from one side to the other. But no, as a, as, as training goes and as saying there's, there should be no difference in the actual locate other than again, it's just a functionality thing for you guys to make it easier on yourselves if you happen to put the dot down in the wrong spot it's easier to scratch out a dot with your boot than it is a whole line yeah for sure and uh once i did some testing on this trying to figure out okay what what's going on here i was working on this 10 inch steel gas main so i hooked up the leads uh, perpendicular to it just the 10 feet out and they were almost about nine inches difference from going one way and i turn around and come back go towards the transmitter and it would be nine inches the other way. So I thought, oh, that's strange. So I grabbed my spool of wire, put it out, put the grounding rod about 50 feet out, tested again, and it was bang on right in the middle of the other two marks. So that might have something to do with it as well. Well, that's right. And, and that's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's why I say grounding is key. Can we do that in all the situations? No. Will it be a foot off in every situation when you're locating like that? No, and it shouldn't be. But yeah, if you have those situations, that's what Dave and I always say. That's what separates the good locators from the okay locators, right? The fact that you did that, I mean, you know, I'll toot your horn for you and say you're obviously a good locator or a great locator. The fact that you did that, you took the time to say, hey, why is this happening? Again, goes back to asking those questions, right? And trying to answer them. Why is this happening? Okay, well, my grounding here, for whatever reason, is causing maybe my maybe my field is now coming back on another utility. So if I move my ground, hey, now it cleaned this up. So can I answer why it did? No, but but we just and that's the thing, right? We we don't actually know because these are electromagnetic fields. This isn't a tangible thing that we can touch or feel or manipulate with our hands. You know, the best way we can manipulate the actual field is with our ground stake. There's, there's been, a, a, you know, another story about doing some locates in that is where we've tried. There's a pipeline that we tried to locate. It dipped down into a ravine. It was another pretty deep locate when it went down the side. It was directionally drilled and then goes down into a ravine where we thought we found it around six feet. We lost it up on the hill at about 65 and then thought we found it at about six feet. But we were having a tough time trying to locate this pipeline. And so we tried various different things of moving the ground stake. We had our big 150-watt transmitter out there, cranked way up as high as we could. It, you know, ran it off a generator. Weren't able to find it. And then basically what we did was we did a closed loop where, where you basically just took, we took a, a kilometer of basically ground wire and went out from one side and then back in to the test point on the other side of this ravine. Unfortunately, for whatever crazy reason, we still really weren't able to find it, but we were able to get at least a little bit better signal to travel in that direction. But again, it's, yeah, with your ground stake, you can really sort of try and manipulate the field 
to to do and go where you want it to go. Just a couple of final questions here. Do you have any any more advice for new locators who are just fresh in the field, don't know where to start? Yeah, it's one of the biggest thing is to make sure that you just slow down and trust the utility locator. Trust what you're seeing on screen and just just go from there. Is the the biggest thing that I try to let people know again is to slow down and and feel it. I was talking to a fellow at the conference last week and it was just one of the things that they were saying was you almost feel it like an extension in your arm. You can kind of feel it. And I know that's hard for new people when you get into it, but you could sort of just try to get in rhythm with the actual locator. And again, I know that's a bit hard for new people, but just trust it. Just trust what you're seeing on screen. Just just use your, your peak and your null to your best ability and your depths and your milliamps. It's the best thing to take a look at. So just, just trust, try and trust the receiver a little bit more and, and trust what it's telling you on screen. Right. That's good. Uh, could you tell us anything about where Vivax Metrotech is planning, like new equipment researching? Or where do you think the the industry is going in terms of equipment use? I think that basically where, where I feel that we're headed is collecting a lot more data. One of our newer devices is the RTK. So basically map as you locate gives you survey grade. When I talked about, you know, we've got those higher end pieces of equipment. So we've got a survey grade GPS survey grade tool that will collect two centimeter GPS or even one centimeter GPS accuracy with the actual locate. Yeah, And I think that's where the industry is going. I think a lot of the utilities are going to want people to go that route. So we're, we're basically exploring more avenues on how to streamline that even better than we already have. But that's, I've been told there's some top secret things that we're working on, okay. uh, but that's the avenue that I, <laughs> that's the avenue that I feel like we're going in is more GPS based. Yeah. Cause that, that is the next biggest hurdle is how do you implement that in a timely manner to get it to the contractors, the, that information or the engineers, right? Yeah, and so we we basically do that through the cloud. So our locator streams directly to the cloud and, and really the locate techs in the field, sometimes you know they sort of get a little bit nervous. Oh, am I going to have to be a GPS guy? No, you just need to be a locate tech and, and know you're, you're locating well enough, and most folks do, and then it just streams to the cloud. And you, really as a locate technician, you don't even ever have to touch it if you don't want to. So it gets... Basically, the engineers, you know, a contractor, an engineer, whoever, the utility owner, you know, people back at your company, they can have it basically instantly have that information and they can work with it. Right. Um, so that's, we're sort of already there. I think the bigger thing is the industry adopting it and saying, yes, we trust this. Yes, we trust our utility locators. It brings me up to one thing. I don't know if you're going to ask the question, but um, one of the big things that we're trying to do and I would like to see happen is make this a trade, right? Get us a, a trade definition somewhere where we're actually licensed more and it's widely recognized throughout the industry. This is, you know, a, a North American thing, a worldwide thing, to be honest, but obviously we're were and myself were focused on Canada and also North America, you know, in the U.S. as well. We're all trying to work on getting this a little bit recognized more because it is it is a trade. I mean, yeah. it it is something that you're skilled 
right? I would I would say that you are a skilled technician, skilled locate technician, just like an electrician or a plumber or a carpenter. Yeah, uh, there's as much to know in this, and and not to say that and scare new people away. It can be quite sim- simplistic and easy for them to learn, but you know at the same time there's a lot to know, and so we want to make this as a trade and get down that that avenue. So again, this this RTK stuff just makes more sense, and and there's I guess with that we will trust what we're sending back into the engineers because that's the biggest hurdle right now in the industry is trusting the utility locators that are doing all this work. Yeah, and I think we are getting there, especially here in Ontario where we have the dedicated locator program. And I know that uh, some unions have listed a locator as a specific trade. So that's good that they're, they are expanding expanding that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's that's where we're hoping to, hoping to get, you know, and, and actually get it a, a licensed trade. So I know there's a lot of folks in the industry that we're trying to work on to how do we how do we get a course written how do we get a standard written so we're we're actively working towards that yeah yeah just do you have any final comments about how people can get in touch with you or like the head office as well if they are interested in getting some more information about the equipment yeah, for sure. So if you just so vvax-metrotech.com is our website and you know, again, if you're listening to this all over the world, we've got offices throughout the world. Myself obviously based out of Canada, we're in Ontario, Canada. That's our Canadian head office, if you will. Our corporate head office is down in Santa Clara, California. But again, we've got offices throughout the world. They can reach out there. We've got our YouTube channel, so my own YouTube channel is vvax Canada on YouTube. Or if you search out VVAX Metrotech, the main page, and you'll see me in a few videos on there as well. But yeah, you can reach out through that, reach out through our website, send an email out. I see if you send an email through the website to the Canadian office, I see every single one of those and try to respond. So if anybody has any questions or wants to get a hold of me, that's really the easiest way. And like I said, I try to respond as quickly as I can to any of those inquiries. Yeah. And thanks for coming on the show. And yeah, you're more than welcome to come back on if you you know you have new new equipment and new stories, right? You go on back on and share them again. Yeah. Perfect. I appreciate it. That concludes today's episode. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please visit forgotmytransmitter.com for instructions on how to submit your info. And remember, don't forget your transmitter.